Daily FM, this is Connected, episode 425. Today's show is brought to you by some excellent sponsors, Squarespace and Memberful. I'm one of your two co-hosts this week, Federico Viticci, and it's my absolute pleasure once again to welcome to the show Mr. Stephen Hackett. Hello, Stephen. How are you? Hello, Federico. I am good. It's the two of us again. It is just the two of us, just the two of us. Mike is on vacation for a couple of weeks, mm-hmm. and so it's uh, it's me and you. I think we're going to be joined maybe by the one true John next week. Maybe. Uh, uh, I, you I, may I, be hearing about it for the first time right now. Right, maybe. I still I need to tell John that we had this idea uh, for Connected, but I guess he'll find out about it soon enough without me having to text him about it. Or maybe I will. We'll see. Um, see when we have some follow-up. We do. It's it's all about you. Again, it's Federico follow-up. <laughs> Fe- well, Federico Federico up. No. 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 Can't find a word no. there. Uh, uh, lots of people have written in. I'm not sharing their names for, you know, want to protect the uh protect the innocence. Uh, but lots of people have written and tell us so they type just like you using the caps lock key intermittently as a shift key. There are dozens of us out there. Dozens of us. Exactly. As you can see, there's a bunch of people that are just like me. I've been so far afraid to admit it in public. Mm. But there are many, many people like me out there using caps lock. What was the... Someone used the term um, to cap shift, I think someone... Yeah, I think I saw that. Terminology to cap shift when using a physical keyboard. And... uh, uh, someone also told me his 11-year-old daughter uh, does that when typing at a keyboard, which I'm not sure how to take that response as like, I'm not sure if it was ironic or as meant to be as a compliment, uh, meaning like, I am so glad that my daughter sees the light just like you do and mm. uses caps lock. Um, maybe that was the interpretation Probably. of that tweet. Probably that. Like, I'm so thankful that my daughter also is like you in terms of using caps lock. Right. We also got some feedback about the... I was complaining about the scrolling effect when using a Logitech mouse with macOS. Uh, now, a bit of a... What's the term for follow-up inside follow-up? Mm. Like the... Well, I guess at one point, like years ago, you could have said Russian doll, but now, I don't know, that's probably not the best expression anymore. Yeah, It's nested follow-up. Just nested follow-up. It's like, uh, oh, what was the thing that Mike hates? Indent left and indent right. Yeah. (laughs) It's like indented (laughs) follow-up. I I said last week, I'm not sure how long this experiment with the Logitech accessories is going to last. Uh-oh. <laughs> and I can tell you it lasted for a day after <laughs> <Wow>. the show. <laughs> I, <laughs> I went back and I am looking at these two things again right now, the Apple Magic Keyboard and the Apple Magic Trackpad. It's just, I, can, I cannot take not having gestures on a trackpad. And it was the trackpad more than the keyboard. But as soon as I realized, oh, I like the trackpad so much better than the than the mouse, then I just didn't want to have a hybrid setup, you know? I just didn't want to have the, um, the 
trackpad from Apple and the keyboard from Logitech. And there was also the problem that I mentioned last week of the inability to remap the globe key mm-hmm. on the Logitech keyboard. Right. Uh, whereas on the Apple Magic keyboard, I have a native globe key. So all is good with the world again. But I'm using a wire right now. There's a <laughs> Not that I'm wearing a wire. That's not what I meant. I was... <laughs> what I meant was Oh, no. That someone I'm, will hear our conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, I'm using the accessories in <laughs> I'm using the accessories in wired mode right now. <laughs> Got it. Uh, they they are connected to the Thunderbolt dock, the Cal Digit that you convinced me to buy. Yes. Uh, but I will probably I don't know. We'll talk about this setup again next week. I have uh, I have some ideas. Uh, anyway, that's that's the end of the in- indented follow up. Now okay. we are indenting left again meaning we are returning uh, to the main follow-up item mouse scrolling i was complaining last week about how jittery it was when scrolling with a click wheel on a logitech mouse on mac os and ipad os and now a bunch of people sent us a few links add sent us a link to a utility called Moss, that's M-O-S, and Christopher sent us a link to Smooze, uh, Smooze Pro, actually. These are two utilities, and I know that at least another one exists. I've seen the link uh, fly by on Twitter. Um, These are utilities that are, of course, only available on macOS, because you cannot do this stuff on iPadOS, that let you modify the scrolling behavior when a mouse is connected. Essentially, they make the scrolling smoother for you when you when you're using mac os with a mouse instead of a magic trackpad um, i am especially intrigued by smooth pro the tagline of the app is rediscover your scroll wheel mouse uh, it's pretty impressive because i mean obviously it lets you uh, change the scrolling behavior. Uh, it also has support for auto scroll and a bunch of different gestures like grab and drag and throw, I think one is called. Mm-hmm. It synchronizes your, like if you do drawings, for example, if you're an artist, it synchronizes the drawings to the refresh rate of the display when you're when you're scrolling with the mouse wheel. And it even lets you choose between, between different animation curves for the <laughs> scrolling. So it goes very I mean it's called Smooth Pro so you know it's for pros when you can choose the animation curve yeah uh, yeah it's got linear f- uh, slide in slide out yeah, it's got a bunch of things it's real fancy so yes thank you Ed and Christopher for sending over some mouse related follow up unfortunately these utilities are Mac OS only you cannot do real mouse work on an iPad so there's that See when we have some universal control feedback. Yes, I'm calling this universal control feedback part 27. Uh, this is from a MacWord article written by our friend Jason Snell. I'm going to read a little bit of this to you because then I want your take. This is Jason. Uh, this week I uncovered a surprising use of universal control that I never anticipated. I was complaining to a friend of mine about how I was struggling to properly test external display support on the current iPadOS beta because it was such a pain to detach my display, keyboard, and trackpad from my Mac and reattach them to my iPad. He wanted to keep the same desk configuration just like you want to. Yeah. So back to Jason. Uh, My friend suggested that perhaps I could give Universal Control a try. After all, isn't the Mac Studio still running? 
why disconnect the keyboard and trackpad at all? Correct. So I unplugged the cable running from my Mac Studio to my studio display and instead plugged in the iPad Pro. Then I put my hand on my trackpad, still attached to the Mac, and imagined moving the pointer across to the far right edge of the Mac screen and popping it into the iPad. Mm-hmm. Sure enough, it just worked. And for the next few hours, I used my iPad with an external display, all driven by a keyboard and trackpad, still attached to a Mac, connected via universal control. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny because I was just talking to Jason about this very topic privately just a couple of days ago. And as is often the case with Jason, many conversations eventually become MacWord or Six Colors articles, <laughs> uh, which which is always... Per- it, that's something that is very, very unique to Jason. Uh, this article is excellent uh, because that's exactly one of the rec- one of the suggestions that pe- a couple of people, including Jason, sent over to me in terms of, well, if you are really committed to using one setup, one keyboard and trackpad setup for macOS and iPadOS with one display, maybe universal control could be a solution for you. Uh, I think this is a topic we will revisit soon because, like I said, I have some ideas. Um, The key, though, to understand about this is when Jason says... And I imagined moving the pointer. That's the downside here, right? Because you, if you, if you unplug the cable from the Mac Studio mm-hmm. uh, to to the Studio Display and plug it into the iPad Pro, then you no longer see macOS. Right. So you just gotta go by feel essentially, and imagine that you're dragging the pointer to the right edge of the screen, and eventually it should pop over on iPadOS. I wonder <laughs> I wonder what happens if you do a bit of a it's a bit of an inception setup but in theory you could VNC into the Mac and use something like screens and move the pointer via VNC onto the iPad itself mm-hmm. but then what happens in that case a pointer becomes a pointer I guess you got a double pointer yeah uh, I'm trying to think through that, uh, right, right, because if you use VNC to move a virtual pointer, oh man, yeah, I don't know what happens in that case, but I guess we'll find out. So that could be fun. And and his setup is a little different from yours in that he's running a Mac Studio. It's tucked under his desk like mine is, and your machine is a 14-inch MacBook Pro. And so you've got to keep that machine yeah. awake for this to work, right? And if it's in clamshell mode and the external display goes away, it's going to go to sleep. Yeah, I don't like this. I don't like this idea. Yeah, so it's. I think it's an interesting thing and definitely a use case that I hadn't thought of. But it is one that comes with some trade-offs depending on, you know, exactly what you have as your Mac. Uh, I want to touch base on Apple Frames 3.1. You've been talking this up, you know. Where is it? Come on. Well, I mean, it's Thanksgiving week for that's, me as that's well. That's true. Even though I'm the only, one of the few Italians who celebrate Thanksgiving, I think. No, it's coming. I, I, I was hoping to get it out this week. I don't think I will have the time, but we'll see. See, the thing about this update is that it requires um, a a bit of documentation 
let me explain. So uh, some some relatively easy changes were adding support for um, devices that were missing. I talked about this last week. Um, I will restore support for the iPhone 8 Plus and the small Apple Watch. Uh, the, the small Apple Watch, I totally forgot that Apple was offering a frame for it. They didn't have one last year. I guess they added one in September for the uh, Series 8. And I just uh, assumed that the 41 millimeter watch did not have one. There is one. So that one will be supported in frames 3.1. But the thing I did with Apple frames 3.1 is I basically, um, I added, and uh, wow, I cannot believe that the theme of this episode is one thing inside of another thing. Because here we're going to talk about that as well. So I made... Uh, how can I explain this? So I made a shortcut, okay, capable of supporting other shortcuts, meaning I built automation for Apple Frames. Basically, the idea is you can run Apple Frames like you like you always do, okay? Uh, you you run it manually. You pick an image, multiple images, like the way you've been using Apple Frames for the past uh, three, four years, it's not changing. That will always stay the same. You press a button, you run Apple Frames, you pick an image, and then you choose an option. But I figured maybe power users of Apple Frames would like to have a, a few options in terms of switching the behavior of Apple Frames. So think of Apple Frames 3.1 as capable of supporting different activation modes and different output modes. Uh, for example, you can tell Apple Frames 3.1 to not present you with an image picker and instead get the latest screenshot that you took or get an image from the clipboard or get the latest seven screenshots. So you can change the activation method. You can say, I don't want to pick manually, just use this image. And so you have different commands for how Apple Frames activates. But then you also have commands for what Apple Frames does at the end. So you can, you can basically script the beginning and the end of Apple Frames. And at the end, you can say, I don't want to see the menu with all the options. I want you to save all these framed images to photos. Or I want you to save them all in a folder in Finder without asking me about it. Mm -hmm. Or I want you to copy them all to the clipboard and so forth. So basically, the beginning and the end of Apple Frames are scriptable now. Uh, the engine in between has remained the same. Um, and you will even be able, if you're a power user, and this is the, the very last thing I added, and then I decided, okay, now it's time to write some documentation and polish this because I'm done with this update. You will also be able to choose if you are passing multiple images to Apple Frames. Uh, do you want to combine them all in a single image like, for example, with all the iPhones side by side, you've seen the screenshots that I do like this, you know, with three, four iPhones all side by side. Definitely. Now, now you will be able to choose. Do, do, do you want Apple Frames to combine, to stitch together all those iPhones? Or do you want to frame them but save them as individual images instead? Uh, so, and you can do that. So now you can, for example, pass five iPad screenshots 
and save them as five separate framed iPad images. That's also one thing that you can uh, uh, script Apple Frames 3.1 with. And all of this can be mixed and matched. So all of these different modes, you can combine them however you want, and uh, it supports uh, a pretty large set of uh, commands for the input and for the output, and uh, it's very nice because now you can uh, you can basically make Apple Frames fit any kind of workflow. And the last thing I will mention here is that I also added something pretty nice for macOS. So for Mac users, you will be able Again, this is macOS only because only macOS lets you do certain things. One of the things macOS lets you do is trigger a shortcut with a hotkey anywhere in your system, right? You can run a shortcut even when you're looking at something else, which you cannot do on iPad. With Apple Frames 3.1, you will be able to screenshot what you're looking at and frame it immediately. That's cool. So just capture the screen and frame it right away with a single keyboard shortcut. So that will be pretty nice. And uh, yeah, that's uh, that's it for this update, which uh, again, I need to write it up and uh, explain all the different options, but yeah, it should be nice. Any HDMI adapter news? People keep asking how it's going. I wasted a bunch of money. Oh no! <laughs> uh, yeah, it does not work. I the Club 3D HDMI to Thunderbolt adapter that I got, uh, which I guess technically is like an HDMI to DisplayPort 1.4 adapter, because what the Studio Display does should be like. What's it called? Uh, Display port U over USB C, mm -hmm. I guess. You know, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't work. I that, that club 3D uh, thing that I mentioned, I plugged in my Apple TV, and nothing. Just the screen wouldn't even turn on. Oh man! So yeah, I'm I'm sending it back. Good. That's a bummer. Yeah, maybe I need to rethink. Maybe I, maybe I'm following the wrong approach here. Uh, maybe the solution is not a physical Apple TV. Maybe what I can do is something like a guest account on a Mac that's running in like some sort of kiosk mode mm -hmm. and it opens a Plex UI. I don't know, but I'm, I'm basically I'm thinking about something like this. What about having a, a guest account on macOS and in the dock you only see three icons? Yeah. Netflix, YouTube, and Plex. I like it. Something... Something along those lines that is super easy to use and it's, you know, asks for your... Not, an, not an administrator user, yeah, right? Exa like. Exactly. And I mean, look, it's either going to be my mom and my mom won't care. Although for my mom, I could, because you can do that with Plex. And I have in storage somewhere one of those TV tuners. I have an antenna here. I have an a, 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 a in a socket in the wall for a TV antenna. And I could install one of those TV tuners that lets you watch TV via computer. And Plex supports those devices. What's it called? Um, oh, man. Are you familiar, Stephen, with the app called Channels? I know Casey has talked about it a bit on ATP. Yes. It's like internet tv or it's like tv and dvr software and you can hook you can use a cable card with it and you can use one of those tv tuners uh, i don't remember what what the name of the it's like not the, called tv tuner like um, over the air 
Yes. It's a little box that you plug into an antenna. Of course, I don't have a, like the whole antenna is on the roof of the building, but I have a connector here that I can run a cable to. And it's, you get this little puck. It looks like an Apple TV. I just remembered. The company that makes these adapters is called HD Home Run. So you get an HD, thank you, Zach. Yeah, that's the one. Uh, so you get an HD Home Run. You set it up via channels, and then you can watch live TV on a Mac via the channels app. So if my mom sleeps over, I can set up channels for her. And if it's not my mom, it's going to be Sylvia's sister. Now, Sylvia's sister may want to watch Netflix and YouTube. Um, so, yeah, I think I could get by with a guest account on macOS with four icons in the dock. YouTube, Channels, Plex, and Netflix. And Apple TV, throw it in the mix. Five icons. I think it's doable and probably better than finding one of these janky HDMI adapters. And I was I was even trying to Google, like, can you AirPlay from an Apple TV to a Mac? But that doesn't seem like that's a thing. No, uh, no. You know, you could have a, if you had your Mac hooked up. Anyways, but yeah, I think ultimately just doing something that's in Mac OS and yeah, make that user as simple as possible, like uh, that'll get the job done. Uh, real quick, uh, we just want to tell people about some membership deals we have going on across our various uh, platforms. Uh, what are you guys doing over at Club Mac Stories? So um, for this holiday season, this is something that we've been doing for the for the past few years. Basically, you can gift a Club Mac Stories subscription. Now, obviously, for the past year, you've been able to choose between three different tiers of Club Mac Stories. You have the regular one. You have Club Mac Stories Plus and you have Club Premiere. Club Premiere being the one that has all included, basically. The, the fancy version of the club, the Discord, and App Stories Plus. So now, if you gift a membership to someone else, um, you can receive back uh, three months. An extension of three months of your membership. Uh, so if you purchase an annual subscription for someone else in your family or a friend. Say you have a, a very dear friend and you know that friend is going to be into apps and music and shortcuts and the kind of things we cover uh, at Mac Stories and the Club and you give them an annual subscription, you, on your existing plan, you get an extension of three months. So gift an annual plan, get three months back for free on your account. Uh, and, and otherwise, if, I believe if you gift a monthly plan, you get an extra month, same as last year. But this year we figured, hey, if you gift an annual membership, you probably deserve a bigger extension. So that's what we're doing. Uh, gift an annual subscription, get three months. It's like, uh, you know, uh, one, one quarter? No. How many months is a year? 12, 12. months. So yeah, it's one fourth yeah, of quarter a of the year. year. Yeah. yeah, quarter of yeah, three months. Who knew? Um, yeah. So that's what we're doing. Cool. Uh, and here at Relay, we're doing twenty uh, percent off all of our annual plans. You can go to giverelay.com and again send it as a gift. Or if you want to just treat yourself, you can use the coupon code twenty twenty three holidays at checkout on the Relay website. And uh, that'll get you the same 20% off an annual plan. Our thing is running through December 17th. And signups have been really good this year so far. 
uh, I think will be uh, even even better than we did last year. So thank you all who have checked that out. And, uh, and for supporting both Relay and Mac Stories over the years. I mean, I like to take this chance to, yeah. to say that because uh, our membership programs uh, are really special. I think both of them are. And, and obviously, there's a lot of people who are in both, but there's people who aren't. And so wherever you are, however you choose to support the shows, um, uh, thank you. It means a lot to us. And it Absolutely. has really given us all a sense of stability in our businesses yes. in these unprecedented times. Mm. Mm. Yeah, yeah, Don't like that they phrase. are. Uh, they are unprecedented. Yeah, they are. But yes, thank you, thank you. This episode of Connected is made possible by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform for building your brand and growing your business online. You can stand out with a beautiful website, engage with your audience, and sell anything—products, services, even content. With Squarespace, you can use insights to grow your business. You can see where site visits and sales are coming from, which channels are being the most effective. All of those tools are built in to Squarespace, which is really cool. Uh, they also extend to Squarespace email campaigns, so you can have people sign up. You can send them a customized email using your brand, your colors, and everything. And the analytics measure the impact of every email sent there as well. Look, these SEO tools can be really confusing. I really like that it's all integrated into Squarespace. Uh, the Give Relay website uh, is built on Squarespace. So you can, if you go there and, and look at our membership stuff, uh, all built with Squarespace. Those galleries, the text, being able to lay things out, it took very little time at all, and I think it looks really good. I really like building on Squarespace when it comes to these special projects for the network. Head on over to squarespace.com connected for a free trial with no credit card required. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code CONNECTED to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain name. Once again, that's squarespace.com CONNECTED, and the code CONNECTED is going to get you 10% off your first purchase and to show your support for the show. Our thanks to Squarespace for supporting CONNECTED and Relay FM. I'm trying to think of a, of a nice way to, to introduce this. Mike is a, is a very close friend of ours. And Mike, like the rest of us, has opinions. And sometimes Mike has some really strong opinions about things. He has opinions about computers, about games, about music, about colors. Sometimes he has opinions about clothing and clothing accessories or clothing items in general. And, you know, he's the type of person who... Uh, has been collecting, you know, he has a collection of podcast t-shirts, has a collection of, you know, obviously with Cortex, they've been doing an entire line of t-shirts and sweaters and things, you know, but he's a guy with opinions. And over the years, one opinion in particular has sort of defined the relationship between the three of us when it comes to something we did a few years ago. And Steven and I always, I don't want to say we, we strongly disagreed with Mike, but we didn't exactly feel the same way he did about a particular t-shirt. And so we were waiting and we were anticipating the moment when Mike would go on vacation We've been planning this for weeks, actually. Mm -hmm. This has been this is this has been planned in secret. Behind the scenes, we've been scheming and doing things behind Mike's back, waiting 
until the moment he would be so excited to leave for his vacation. And until that moment, we knew we had to hold all of our plans. But as soon as he left, all the plans came alive. And so it is our pleasure to bring back the one and only Tiny Head T-shirt. It is back for sale on Cotton Bureau, the Tiny Head T-shirt. The T-shirt featuring, well, the three of us, obviously. Mm -hmm. Quite a buffed version of the three of us. Yeah. But... <laughs> With the tiny heads. With the tiny heads. This is a t-shirt from a few years ago. You may remember it started off as a joke when this particular style of design was all hot in Silicon Valley. Mm -hmm. It felt like at one moment a couple of years ago, everybody was making artwork featuring uh, human characters with very, very tiny heads. Now, I think this style is out of fashion, actually, but that's the thing about fashion. Everything comes back eventually. And so based on that principle, Stephen approached me a few weeks ago saying, hey, you know, Mike is going to be on vacation toward the end of November. Maybe this is the time when we can bring back the tiny head without telling him. And I believe, Stephen, you've been planning this so that Mike couldn't find out for a couple of weeks now. A couple of things. One, this design is called uh, Corporate Memphis. Like, that's the name of this design language. Anyways, I'm putting that in the show notes. It's funny to me that it's named after the city I live in. But... Yeah, so we're going to do this. So I emailed our friends at Cotton Bureau. But I realized that the email account on the connected account with Cotton Bureau was Mike's. And so I had to change that so all the emails would come to me. And he didn't seem to notice that I did that. Or if he did, he didn't say anything. And so, uh, so yeah, the, the tiny head shirt is back. Because, look, we're, we are, uh, we're men of the people, if anything. And the people spoke. And they wanted the shirt to come back. And so you got 14 days to do it. Uh, so this is going to run all the way through the evening of December 7th. And uh, they'll ship. Uh, you're you're going to get it after Christmas, it looks like. Because uh, we, yeah, we got this pretty close. But again, we wanted to time it with Mike being gone so we couldn't stop it. Uh, so please, uh, please go grab a shirt. It'd mean a lot to us. Uh, and, exactly. Uh, it's just something that I need to highlight here because there's something now people need to understand. Now, you need to buy this T-shirt. <laughs> Otherwise, Steven and I are screwed <laughs> because we planned this behind the scenes. And I mean, I'm joking. If you don't like the T-shirt, don't buy the T-shirt. But we would really appreciate it if you got one. Um, if only because we planned this in secret and we have a point to prove to Michael. Uh, now, we don't know how Mike is going to react, right? There's a very good chance that he will be upset, that he will be angry, and he's going to have opinions again. But we love Mike, and we hope that Mike will see the light regarding the Tiny Head. The Tiny Head t-shirt was ahead of its time years ago. We believe the time is right now, just as soon as his design style has somewhat faded we can bring him back in its full glory. Yeah, if you like it, get the t-shirt. If you like the, t the show, get the t-shirt. Remember, Stephen and I, we did this in secret for you, and we have a point to prove to Mike. So you want to be part of the 
part of that whole thing with us, we would appreciate it. And uh, you have time until, what was it, Stephen? December 8th or 7th? Yeah, it's this December 7th at 8 p.m. Uh, Eastern time. Oh, yeah, it's my 2 a.m. That's yeah. why I was seeing December 8th. Yeah, okay. Well, um, yeah, now uh, you know the mic is going to be upset, right? Probably. He'll be okay. Well, look, I mean, you are his business partner, mm -hmm. so you can smooth things over. I can blame it on you, and you two can figure it out. Yeah, you definitely already did blame it on me in the show. You're like, yes, yeah, Stephen approached me, which is true. Well, I mean, no, I mean, I should say I was also very excited about the idea. It's not like Stephen forced me or anything. I was like, yeah, yeah, actually, that's a great idea. That's like, I was, I was more than a witness in, in this process, I should say. Mm-hmm. So yes, but but regardless, I will blame it on you. Okay. You know. Okay. Yeah. Please Thanks. go buy a shirt. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so good. Uh, I'm so happy that it's back. Yes, me too. I mean, look at it. I think I'm gonna get a. I think I'm gonna get it. Um, I really like the indigo color. I think I will get that one. At the indigo. I have an indigo one from last time. This time I got the vintage turquoise. I thought that was like a nice blue. Hmm, that's very blue. You need the tiny heads to stand out, you know? Yeah. Um, adding to cart right now. Okay. The time honored tradition of buying a t-shirt on the podcast. Federico, tell me about Apple Books ruining fun. Yeah. So um, for the past few months, um, a few people have uh, reached out uh, to my Mac Stories email um, to complain about Apple Books. Now, this is something that I sort of knew it was going to happen. When I wrote my iOS 16 review, I believe there was a line in the uh, books section where I said, like, I'm not a heavy reader. I'm one of those people that every year has, you know, the New Year's resolution of like, I'm going to read more books. And then it's always, you know, I, I've always been jealous of people like Jason Snell, you know, really heavy, voracious readers. And it's just, uh, you know, I guess priorities. I don't know. I just prefer to play video games at night. Um, but it's always like there. Like, I want to read more books. I want to read more books. And I never do. Anyway, uh, I I wrote in the review, like, I, I don't know how this uh, is going to go for heavy users of Apple Books. But I have a feeling that some of them will complain. And some of them have complained about the redesign of Apple Books. A, part, uh, a specific complaint that I keep hearing about is that it's now, I think, easier, if I'm getting this right, I think it's easier to add a bookmark than before. So now people end up with a bunch of random bookmarks when they're reading a book in the Books app. And also other people told me over email like and, and and I'm grateful to them because they send me like these very lengthy emails and typically I typically you know the the lengthy email is a beast of its own right when you get it but sometimes you get those lengthy emails that are like from someone who says I I love it when they are extremely aware of the lengthy email they're sending you and they're like you don't need to respond and I know that this is a long email but for the sake of you know letting you know about this don't feel the pressure to reply but i just figured i would send you some thoughts i super appreciate when that happens like that is such a great way to send the lengthy email anyway 
one of the complaints is the new UI of Apple Books. Uh, it's kind of weird. Um, we have mentioned before, we have talked about this on the show this summer, the weird button in, in Apple Books on the phone. Remember the weird menu we talked about? They have the, that new yeah, menu. It's like, it like floats down there. It floats at the bottom and it's both a button and a slider. All at once. It's, mm-hmm. Yeah, we talked about the weird menu. So the weird menu, it's both, well, it's strange looking and doesn't have any sort of UI precedent on iOS. But also, according to these people, it hides functionality that was easier to reach than before. So there's the whole mm-hmm. aspect of criticism surrounding the Books app. But something else that is, is why we're talking about this now, they removed, Apple removed from iOS 16 and iPadOS 16 the excellent, really, really excellent page curl animation that has been the really the marquee feature of iBooks and then books for years. Uh, the page curl being the 3D effect that you would get when swiping with your finger to, you know, mm-hmm. uh, change pages yeah. uh, on when reading a book. Uh, and that animation... Uh, I think it was introduced with the very first version of iBooks back in 2010 with the first iPad and Steve Jobs was very proud of it. And if I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. that animation is was actually patented by Apple uh, with the technology... It was in Maps, uh, I think, first. Also, uh, you may be right. Because and I believe it, that... It, it like scrolled up from the corner and you could select satellite you know map view whatever uh, it may not be exactly the same animation but it's very similar but ibooks was before maps uh, well apple maps was ios 6 oh yeah you're right oh look at you yeah hey i know some of my history um not like you but still the patent that they have about this involved a very complex process in which the page was rotating around a 3D cone to simulate that page curl effect. Um, yeah, I believe some, a bunch of Apple engineers hold the patent for that style of design. Anyway, there was a very distinctive look, and it was fun, and it was cute, and it didn't hurt anybody, and yet it was removed in iOS 16, replaced by a rather anonymous and bland um, animation that flips you over to the next page horizontally. It's uh, it's one of those things where, like, I can't imagine, I can't imagine if you were like, physical books are bad. They have been culturally canceled. We cannot leave any references to physical books in our app called books like if books had been cancelled by humanity i would imagine distancing (laughs) yourself from the typical look of a book you know just like hollywood executives distance themselves from actors like okay i want nothing to do with that but books have not been cancelled in fact um and it's not like you replaced that animation with something completely different and abstract Mm -hmm. You have a different page switch animation. It's not a curl anymore, 
but you do have an animation, it's just worse than before. So like you still have a part of that physical UI metaphor of navigating to a different page. It's just that now it's boring and bad and you had a good thing going and you just, just had to ruin it. Because why? Like what was the problem there? I don't know. They had a fun, beautiful, cute, playful thing, and they replaced it with one of those animations that you can buy on those, one of those marketplaces online where they sell you graphical assets for like $5 or something. It looks like that. So, I mean, bring it back. Just, why? Just, it was fun and made you feel satisfied. You know, whenever you flipped over to a new page and you grabbed it from the corner and you played around with it, and you're like, ooh, this is cute. And now you cannot do that anymore. You, 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 you had this in your notes. You're one of those people with a Kobo. I try, no, I tried the Kobo. You tried. This mm -hmm. summer. And much to Jason Snell's sadness, probably, it just didn't stick for me. Partially because like I'm so deep in the Amazon book ecosystem, I've had I've had Kindles forever, and yes, I know you can un DRM your uh, your books or whatever. Um, Caliber, man, come on! Yeah, yes, I was looking the, for the name. Yes, it's the hot app from the mid 2000s. It looks like it's written in Java. <laughs> yeah, I think it is actually. It may actually be. It's one of those apps that lets you install a Java applet when. When you run it, yeah. So, time. anyways, yeah. So, I'm I'm in the the Kindle ecosystem for ebooks. I, I do read physical books quite a bit, actually, but also have a Kindle, and I think the Paperwhite is totally the way to go. I had a an Oasis, a first gen Oasis that I think I lost on my trip to Colorado. I can't find it, so I dug out like a Paperwhite that was floating around and have been using it, and it's great. So, I'm not an iBooks user. What about you? I mean, are you? How do you consume your books? Uh, I how do I consume my books? Um, I think I, uh, I, I gotta confess. Well, this is not a bad confession, like last week. <laughs> but yeah, I never really mentioned this. But I realized uh, this year it's a 2022 realization that I had that I cannot be a multi-tablet person. Hmm. I think this is just something that I needed to explore for myself, see through the end, and then accept, okay, I am a different kind of person. I am the kind of person who just likes to use one iPad Pro. And that's what I'm doing now. And look, I had a Kindle Oasis, a Kobo, I don't remember which one, the one Jason told me to buy a couple of years ago. I, so I had a Kindle, I had a Kobo, and I used them for a while. Then I had an iPad mini of course. Mm -hmm. And for for several months, I, I went with the split approach of the iPad mini for consumption, the iPad Pro for work. But I think I just, I just cannot handle the inconsistency and the, the, the having to do the same thing twice. Uh, iPadOS does not have home screen sync like tvOS, which is one of the many problems. But it's just, I like to have all my things right there. And if anything, I'm more of a focus mode with custom home screens person mm -hmm. than a multi-tablet or multi-device person. And I just, I like to have my notes all there and the same apps and the same widgets and one iPad. So instead, I, you know, I, I have explored this other side 
of, of how things could be done. And I think plenty of people do things that way. And it's not a wrong way. It's just the way I prefer to do this is I have multiple setups, but I just switch the iPad between them. Like by setups, I mean physical locations in the house. For example, something I started doing uh, lately when I realized this is what I like, I always leave the Magic Keyboard in a bag. Uh, the Magic Keyboard for iPad, that is, the case. Uh, because I know that I'm going to use that when I'm not at home. And I leave my smart cover, uh, my smart folio on, on the iPad all the time. Because when I'm home, the smart folio either props up the iPad at a desk where I have a physical keyboard and a trackpad, or it, I use that to use the iPad Pro in tablet mode on the couch or in bed. So I prefer to have one iPad with multiple setups rather than multiple iPads and multiple setups. And that applies, of course, to physical e-readers as well because they're not iPads. They're just dedicated mm -hmm. things. Yeah. So are you reading on a Kindle? Uh, no, the book's up. This episode of Connected is also made possible by Memberful. Memberful is the easiest way to sell memberships to your audience used by the biggest creators on the web. You can generate sustainable recurring income while diversifying your revenue stream with Memberful. Memberful powers the Relay FM membership program. We've used them for a long, long time. They make it really easy to generate that extra revenue stream for all of our hosts and deliver bonus content to our members. Membership is a big part of our business now, giving us greater financial independence and giving us uh, some buffer against the advertising market. And it also lets us connect with our listeners in new and exciting ways with a newsletter and membership-only podcast and so much more, the Discord. I've been really happy with Memberful. It includes custom branding, gift subscriptions, Apple Pay, free trials, private podcasts, you get these paid email newsletters that you can then host on a members-only website so people can go back and read them later, comment on them. It's all really cool. And I can send those email newsletters through Memberful. I don't need to hook up a third-party email provider. So it saves me additional money and uh, headaches when it comes to that sort of thing. If you're a content creator, Memberful can help you monetize your passion. Get started for free at memberful.com connected. There's no credit card required. That's memberful.com slash connected. Go there now to check it out. It could be the start of something really exciting. Our thanks to Memberful for their support of the show and Relay FM. All right, Federico, one uh, last topic for you today. Uh, there's mm -hmm. a rumor by Shrimp Apple Pro on Twitter. This account apparently has a pretty decent track record. I did some digging earlier. And according to their report, uh, I thought I thought what you were gonna say that this rumor for shrimp from shrimp shrimp apple pro was kind of fishy. Oh, son! But you didn't go there, so hmm. that's good. It's good. Ah, well, sorry I let you down. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, what they are saying is they say the iPhone 15. I'm assuming this is like an iPhone iPhone 15 Pro sort of thing. Okay, yeah, yeah. It would have uh, flat sides that would then curve to the back, and this material would be titanium. Um, as 9to5 Mac points out, this would be very much like the iPhone 5C. So in the show notes, I've put a really like high-resolution press image of the iPhone 5C, so you can go look at this. And I think it's helpful in talking about it, kind of picture the 5C where... 
the front of the 5C was flat and the sides were flat. But instead of the current phone, which is like a like a sandwich, like it has the front and back are flat and has a rail around them. On the iPhone 5C, the back, uh, the the rails in the back sort of curve to meet each other. And as a result, the, the iPhone 5C, I got one out today, just like play with it in preparation for talking. It's really comfortable in the hand and it looks really cool because you have the perfectly flat front, which I really like. And you have the flat sides, which are nice. But then it, it has a bit more of an organic shape just on the back. It also makes it really easy to tell the front from the back by feeling, which was and is a problem with the iPhone if you don't have it in a case, because it's really hard to tell unless you happen to like jam your finger into the the giant camera on the back. Hmm. Uh, so I think it's interesting. I think it's something that they've done before, but they could do it in a new way. And uh, I'm definitely interested to see how, you know, these, how this uh, joining would work because assumingly the back would still be glass because you can't wirelessly charge through metal. But I think... Even if they don't do this, I think the idea of bringing titanium to the pro phones is a real win. I think a lot of people don't like sort of the shiny aspect of the pro phones. I know some people do, but I think a lot of people kind of see it as kind of too much. But one of the most common complaints I hear about the pro line is the weight. And a lot of that is the glass, but a lot of that also is the stainless steel band. Stainless steel is just heavy. And knowing what we know about the Apple Watch, the titanium watches. Uh, are much, or not much, but they're significantly lighter than the steel ones. And they've used titanium on the watches for a couple of years now. Now, of course, the Ultra only comes in titanium. And I see it being a material that Apple would want to use. And and maybe they could distinguish uh, this in a way like the steel has done, but make different and I think better trade-offs. And I'm curious what you think about all this. This will basically be, well, pretty similar to a MacBook Pro when seen from the side? Yes. Kind of, but made of titanium. I think I'm up for this because it would still let you retain the benefits and the aesthetic, mostly of a flat edge design, which is the current style of the of the iPhone. Mm-hmm. But you would get that nice um, sort of minimal curve at the top and bottom. Um, like an iPhone 5C or a MacBook Pro. And maybe the MacBook Pro, like the, the curve is not as, uh, I'm looking at it right now, maybe it's not as steep as on as it was on the 5C by a yeah. few degrees, like mm-hmm. it's a more gentle slope, if you will, but it's still nice. And I mean, that sort of style, but thinner, of course, because it's an iPhone, not as chunky as a MacBook Pro. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, I... I would be up for it, actually, to have a chunky phone if it meant no more camera bump, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Fun thought experiment. I'm I'm not sure. Imagine if you could choose, right? Imagine if you could choose, like, do you want your phone thin, thin and light, but with a camera bump and a smaller battery? Or do you want the thick boy with no camera bump and an even bigger battery inside? Mm. Would be fun to choose. Still, uh... Yeah, I think I I think I would like this design. Now, the only thing I'm un, I'm uncertain about is the titanium. I don't think, yeah, I don't think I've ever touched titanium in my life. Hmm. Are there any other objects I may have touched mm. in my everyday life 
made of titanium that I do not know about. I don't I don't think it's real common. I mean, Apple used it on the watches. They had a power book back in the day, but that's like a totally different no, sort of process. No. So it doesn't really count. The screws in my foot are titanium. Have you touched those? Uh, neither the screw nor the feet. Okay. So Okay, good. Thank uh, you for thank you for making that very clear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's it's not super commonly used. I think it's pretty expensive, but on the high-end phone, you know, maybe there's there's room for that. Uh, this also kind of jives with the idea that the Pro Max could become the Ultra. So maybe like the Pro and the Ultra both get this new this new material. Hmm. I do I do wonder how Apple could treat the titanium. So with the the Apple Watches, they had the brushed titanium and then they had the space black. And I have an Apple Insider review of the the old space black titanium watch from several years ago in the show notes. You can go look at the pictures. What's cool about titanium is that it's it's matte. It's like flat, right? It's not shiny like the stainless steel. It doesn't really pick up fingerprints. Now the Ultra is kind of bead blasted. It's not it's not the same as the old brushed Apple watches. So the texture is a little bit different. But at first glance, it does look like aluminum because it's not shiny. And I wonder if Apple would want to continue to keep the like the visual differences as much as they are now. And like and like how many colors could they even do in titanium? You know, with the aluminum, they anodize it. They can do basically any color they want. Uh, even if they even if they don't choose good colors or enough colors, they can basically do what they want. I just don't know what the options are with titanium, mm-hmm. but they've been using it in the real world for quite a while now, and I could see them bringing it as a high end option if there are ways to you know make the rest of the product what they want. But uh, I, I would be excited about it because I think it'd be I think it'd be a really nice change. And I, yeah. even if they kept the stainless steel. I do think the flat on the front, slightly curved the back, is a nice yes. tweak to the current design. I really like the flat sides, but something that's a little more comfortable to hand would be really nice. And I think it would still look new and modern, and you know maybe the iPads could follow at some point in the future. But but all of this is really interesting, and I mean, we're coming up on what year three of this design? You know maybe we're due. Maybe they're going to do one more year. I mean the the six design and six plus design basically stayed to the eight you know then it was like the 10 10 r 10 s 11 and now the 12 13 14 so it gets about time you know maybe sooner rather than later they're going to tweak it again and this seems like a good direction to go but uh i'm excited about both of these if we get both i think it'd be awesome even if we just get one though i still think it'd be pretty cool yeah it feels right to me though this feels like a direction they could go I agree. Uh, agree. So, yeah, so we'll we'll keep down this. I mean, we are the end of the year almost, right? So these iPhone rumors will heat up as we go. So we'll see if uh, Shrimp Apple Pro gets this one, gets this one right or not. It also reminds me that in about a month, we'll be judging our annual picks and be making new ones. So, oh, man. You know, maybe iPhone designs will will pop up again here before too long. Let me peek at the. I haven't looked in a while at the annual predictions. Oh man! Ooh, the, there's a ooh, bunch of bad things is, in here. <laughs> we'll, is, we'll get to that in December. Don't don't worry. Okay. Well, as it is Thanksgiving week here in the states, uh, we thought we'd cut this episode a little bit short. We a bunch of us have holiday plans. Uh, thank you for spending some of your holiday week with us here on Connected. And uh, and once again, thank you all for listening. Uh, if you remember or not, your support over the years means a lot to us and. 
Uh, we are excited about the future of the show and what we do, but you know, I'd like to take the opportunity to, to thank people uh, when it comes up. If you want to find links to stuff we spoke about, head on to the website at relay.fm slash connected slash 425. There you can become a member. Remember, if you're doing an annual plan, it's 20% off with the code 2023HOLIDAYS. Or if you want to buy a plan for a loved one, go to giverelay.com. When you're on the website, you can send us an email with feedback or follow-up. Uh, you can also uh, find us online. Federico is the editor-in-chief of MacStories.net, where he also hosts App Stories and a bunch of other podcasts. Go check all that stuff out. You can follow, follow me. Uh, my writing is at 512pixels.net, and I also host Mac Power Users here on Relay FM. I'd like to thank our sponsors this week, Squarespace and Memberful. And until next time, Federico, say goodbye. Arrivederci. Bye, y'all.